a lot has been happening and I really struggled with what I would actually say today, what I would do today, what I would preach today. And the reason for that is this, uh, a lot has happened since our night of prayer. And the question of my heart is, God, what do I share? When do I share it? What's the right timing? But I want you to understand something that supernaturally, some spiritual, supernatural things have happened since our night of prayer only two Friday nights ago. And uh, without me going into any detail, because I feel it would be uh, premature uh, to explain, but I will explain soon. But God is opening doors to bring reconciliation in the spirit realm between churches. And uh, there was a revival here in this area 40 years ago. And then the revival um, <clears throat> had a setback. And the church that was having this major revival experienced many, many splits. And principalities reigned from that position where the church had lost ground. And God is opening some doors so that we can talk to some fellow pastors and address the issues of what happened 40 years ago so that the wells could be unstopped and so that the rivers of God and the revival waters of God will flow again. How many of you want to come into agreement with that? <clears throat> I, I did share some things Saturday morning uh, stuff was shared Friday, more happened Saturday morning, and it really is quite supernatural. Uh, the prophetic is moving, the guidance of the Holy Ghost is moving, but I want you to put your hands towards me right now, and I want you to come into agreement that what God is purposing to do will come to pass, and that there will be a healing in the realm of the Spirit and a repentance of what went wrong years ago so that the principalities of darkness over this area will lose their legal ground and will see a great move of the Holy Spirit of God. Can you come into agreement for that? Amen. Amen. Father, we just stand in agreement. You know the things that you are moving together. And we just pray that favor will come on all those concerned. That every party, every person, every leader, every uh, uh, pastor or priest uh, will come under your favor and you will cause there to be a setting right in the realm of the spirit of things that went wrong in the past. Father, I believe, we believe with all of our heart, we, your church, are meant to do your business on earth. And so we pray, your kingdom is come. Now let your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise God. I look forward to sharing with you in detail uh, when all these pieces come together. But for now, this morning, uh, as I waited on God all morning, I even rang Pastor Jan and uh, I sent her an SOS message. I said, pray. <laughs> I rang Paul Aquino this morning. And uh, 
basically told him to pray. Because you get to a place, I'm very conscious, this is not my pulpit. While God has put me here as the senior pastor and we pioneered it and built it, this is God's church. I won't be offended if you say amen. This is God's church. Amen. And we're here to do God's business. And God has a purpose. I don't believe for one moment that we're just meant to have church. No, we're raising up pillars in the kingdom of God. Men and women who will become pillars, who will become giants, who will become generals in the realm of the spirit. And we will take back the land that has been lost. I said we will take back the land that has been lost. And the land that our father has has ordained that the church should occupy. I don't mean, you know, a block of land across the street. I mean territories. The kingdom of God is not limited by boundaries. And the kingdom of God is meant to invade the earth. Everyone who agrees with that said, Absolutely. I'm going to preach this morning my title the word, this word just kept coming to me, the influencers, the influencers. And if you ever study revival, revival can always be traced back to influencers, intercessors, men and women of prayer. Now I'm going to tell you straight up, and I used to say this years ago, and uh, I believe that every Christian is called to be an intercessor. I believe, and I've already preached this, every Christian, everyone born again is a priest of God. And as priests, priests intercede. Priests stand in the gap between men and God, and they pray. We stand in the gap for ourselves as well. And we don't stand in that gap because we're perfect by our own choices every day. No, I make some good choices and I make some bad choices. Can I get any agreement out there? Anyone willing to put up both arms? And when we put up both arms, we're surrendering. Jesus, I need your help. (laughs) But we're called to be influencers. Revival can always be traced back to a group of people praying. The foundations of revival are intercession, prayer, and repentance. Those are the two major contributing uh, aspects to a revival. Why do we talk about revival? Revival is not seven nights of special meetings. Revival has influence in the heavens, and then it has influence on the earth. What I mean by that is this, when revival comes, it's because men and women have been praying and interceding, and something breaks in the heavens. Now, when I say something breaks, I want to make it very clear. Sometimes there's a religious mentality that we live under a brass heaven, and there is no access. We can't get through. Rubbish. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I have access 24-7 into the Holy of Holies, and so do you. 
Can I get an agreement? But the first heavens, the Bible speaks of three heavens, and the first heavens is filled with demonic activity. Where are the airwaves from TV stations and radio stations and the internet? Where are the airwaves? Do they not travel through the atmosphere surrounding the earth? This first atmosphere is the first heaven. In the Garden of Eden, Adam was put there on earth in God's garden. This is meant to be God's garden. It's become Satan's garbage dump. And there needs to be a righteous indignation in the church. Because this is my father's planet. This is my father's creation. And demons of hell, anti-agents of God, have come onto God's creation and they are devastating destinies, futures, promises that God had ordained for humanity. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to see a much bigger picture. A picture much bigger than just the fact that you and I got saved and we're waiting for the lottery call so that we get to go to heaven. The church of Jesus Christ is on earth with a purpose, with a vision, with a, with a destiny. And God actually wants to use the weak things of the world to confound the wise. In other words, God wants to take men and women that are broken, men and women that were sinners, men and women that aren't perfect, but they're righteous in God through Jesus Christ. And he wants to use this ragtag team of blood-washed misfits to confound the principalities of darkness. There are rulers in the heavens that have existed for, for millennium, thousands of years, spiritual agents who fell from God's grace and now work against God. And just like Paul says, God takes the simple things to confound the wise. God has taken the church, men and women, ordinary flesh and blood, broken, one subjects of the kingdom of darkness, and he washed them with his blood, he purchased them, and he filled them with his Holy Spirit. And God wants to take this thing that once was nothing but a hot mess, the weakness of the earth, and he wants to confound the principalities of darkness. He wants the church to rise up and fill the heavens with the praises of God. He wants the sons of God to know their calling and to know their destiny. And we're not meant to be spectators of CNN News or Fox News. And I don't care what side of the political fence you're on, the sons of God are meant to be the influencers that pull down the kingdom of darkness and advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And too often in the past, we've only interpreted what I've just said in terms of, okay, well, let's get out there and witness. But there needs to be a change in the atmosphere over the earth. Just like 
Radio stations, TV stations, the internet is passing messages in an invisible realm. The principalities of darkness send messages to people's homes and to people's minds and to people's hearts. You wonder why the world is in such a mess? The principalities, the governors, the magistrates of darkness who have taken control of the earth. They're speaking into the thoughts and the imaginations of our young people. They're speaking into the thoughts and the ideologies of our political leaders. I've been saying this for the last few weeks and I'll continue to say it. The reason why Paul tells us to pray for those in government is because we have more power and more authority and more influence than they do. They get voted in by a slim majority. The last 39 years, no one has won the president's position by more than 7.7% of the popular vote. And in four years, they could get voted out again. But the church of Jesus Christ has been put into position forever! We underestimate who we are. We have been deluded. We have believed the lie. We are not who we are just by the flesh. We are who we are by the Spirit of God. As a son of man, I'm less than perfect. But as a son of God, I am the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And all authority and power has been given to us. The church is a very powerful thing. Now, it may not seem like that at the moment. But the only switch that needs to be flicked is the switch of revelation in our own understanding. When we flick the switch and we understand that we are more powerful than what we realize, then the church will step into that position. You see, you cannot be something you don't believe you can be. I'll say that again. You cannot be something you don't believe you cannot be. When we believe the Word of God emphatically, it starts to lift us up positionally. When we believe the word of God emphatically, it starts to lift us up positionally. And it positions us for the destiny that was written in the heavens before the foundations of the world. The church of Jesus Christ was conceived of before God created the first Adam. Now, when God put Adam in the garden of his earth, he told him, I want you to subdue the earth. Stop. Let's think about this logically. What was there to subdue? If we use the word subdue from today's perspective, what did he have to conquer? Were there roaring beasts on the earth that were going to devour him? Were there uh, uh, thorns and thistles that were going to crowd out the garden? No, that didn't exist till after the fall. He said, subdue the earth. What was he going to conquer? What was he going to overcome? 
In the Hebrew, that word subdue means kabosh, and it means keep it under your control. You see, Adam wasn't ill-equipped. He was well-prepared. God never gives you a position without preparing you for that position. Hello? Do you think for one moment that God was going to put a naive, inexperienced, <laughs> talk about inexperienced, uh, the day Adam was created, he had no experience with anything. So do you honestly think that God was going to put in the middle of the garden a being who had absolutely no history whatsoever and leave him ignorant to contend with the forces of darkness? Absolutely not. There is more in the word of God than what is written. And when God said to Adam, I want you to subdue it, I want you to keep this under your control, he was letting him know there will be a contest for your position as my vice regent on earth. He was delegated authority. He was delegated influence. Influence. The first Adam was meant to be a representative of God. That's why he was created in the image and in the likeness of God. And he was meant to rule on the earth with God present. And he was meant to make the, this earth, this garden, a garden that brings honor and glory to God. That's why the first three chapters of Genesis in the beginning, most people got to get back to in the beginning and understand the beginning so that we can understand the middle and we can understand the end. If you don't understand the beginning, you'll never get the end. If you don't understand the beginning, you'll never understand what's going on in the middle. And in the beginning, Adam forfeited his right to rule by submitting to the suggestions of demonic forces. Whom you submit to, you become a servant to. And so I want to show you something very quickly in Genesis chapter 1. Starting with verse 1 and 2, we're going to look at uh, these verses. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. I don't have time to go into this today, but there was a creation prior to this creation. And those words, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep are two Hebrew words that are only ever used in reference to chaos after divine judgment had come. What we do know is that in Ezekiel, it talks about that Lucifer was once a guardian cherub and he lived on the holy mountain of God, and it was his job to protect God's sanctuaries. But he desecrated God's sanctuaries. He sinned. He was on that mountain, and the Bible says, in the Garden of Eden. How long ago that was, we don't know. The Bible just gives us sketches. But what we do see is a recreation happens, and God puts a new prince in the garden, and he warns him, Keep it under your control. 
because somebody ugly wants it back. Are you hearing me, church? So watch this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Look at this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Before the fall, it was natural for the Holy Spirit of God to hover. The Bible talks about three heavens. Before the fall, they were as one. The heavens were filled with God's glory and God's presence. And the atmosphere around the earth was encircled by, influenced by, clothed by the holy presence of Yahweh. His Holy Spirit was filling the airwaves around the earth. But Adam sinned. He obeyed Lucifer for the pleasures of sin for a moment. His pride, his ego got in the way. I so appreciate what uh, Lydia said as she was leading the song in worship. You know, she was sharing her personal repentance. Strong, uh, driving type personalities. People who are go-getters. It's very hard for us to sit back and learn to just trust God. Without saying it, sometimes we think we could do it faster than God and better than God. And so to wait on the Lord is a hard thing. But like Lydia confessed, it's an area of pride where she wasn't trusting God. I, I understand that. I can relate to that. And I don't bring that up to humiliate you. I am proud of your humility. And you, she shared publicly a repentance that needed to take place in her own life. Remember I said intercession and repentance are the foundations to a great revival. Amen. Always. I can take you to the history of every revival that ever was. And you'll find praying people and repenting people. But the powers of darkness filled the atmosphere and instead of the Holy Spirit brooding over the earth, the demonic kingdom of darkness broods over the earth. You don't have to watch TV news to know that people are hearing messages and it's driving them crazy. People are being influenced. They don't even know what their sexual identity is anymore. People are being influenced with hate. Murder is up. Road rage is up. Rape is up. And we can point fingers in a lot of directions, but let's get biblical for a moment. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Let's cut to the chase, and let's put the blame squarely where the blame deserves to be put. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Part of the problem is sometimes the church just doesn't wrestle. It's not in the fight. We're all just waiting to get to heaven. And God's saying, no, I've got you here for a purpose. You are my instruments on the earth. Just like Israel was an instrument of God, 
during their time. The church is meant to be an instrument of God accomplishing the purposes of God. But Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That word wrestle in the Greek is the word pale. Literally means a fight, a wrestling bout, a struggle, a conflict, a contest. You could be a pacifist if you want. That's not going to stop the devil from punching the daylights out of you. And the church of Jesus Christ has got to stop being pacifist in its theology and understand we are meant to rule the earth on our Father's behalf. And right now, in our watch, the earth is going to hell in a handbasket. It's a mess. If we were to look at things purely from a logical human point of view, we really do stand on the teetering edge of a potential World War III. And what the pandemic, whether you believe it's big or you don't believe it's big, this is only the beginning of things that are going to be unleashed. And if the church runs and hides, who's going to shout, Freedom! If the church doesn't understand who she is and how much power we have in prayer, who's going to be our deliverer? We put our hope so much in the White House. We got the wrong house. We got to put our hope in the right house. And that's in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and in the Kingdom of God and in the Church of Jesus Christ. The devil is clever as what he does. He gets the church fighting the church and this church fights that church and that church fights this church and then in the local church he brings it even to a more harmonized demonic plan. He gets the church in the church fighting the church in the church. Do you know every time you let someone come to you and criticize somebody else in the church, if you don't rebuke them, if you don't offer to be the, they, they've already put you in the middle. They've already put you in between. If you listen, you've already been put in between. Here's the problem. If you don't take them to the person they're yakking about, you've not only been put in the middle by them, you've become an agent of their offense. It's easy to gossip and to criticize. See, the devil understands the power of unity. David wrote in the Psalms, God, how beautiful it is when brethren dwell together in unity because that's where you command the blessing. It's there written in Scripture. What is the anointing? He says, when they dwell together in unity, it's like the anointing oil being poured on Aaron. Aaron was the high priest being poured on his head and flowing down his beard and dripping off his robes. You see, the presence of God is never in division. The presence of God will never be in the gossip corner. 
The presence of God is never in bickering. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called sons of God. So demons will come to you with gossip about brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, or pastor so-and-so, hoping to put you in the middle and to influence you. So are you going to be influenced by them? Or are you going to be the influencer in the name of Jesus Christ? You have one of two options. You either have the option, which I believe is the lesser of the better options, to say, I don't want to hear it. Or you have the option of saying, you need to go to the very person you want to talk to me about. I don't want to hear it. But I'll go with you. Because we need to put this fire out. When a person has a criticism, a criticism by itself in a person's mind is a prosecution and it is a judgment. And they become the judge and the jury and they settle the issue in their own emotions and in their own mind. And that's why Jesus made it very clear. You got something against your brother, you have to go to them. Or if you know your brother has something against you, you go to them. If you go to them and they refuse to respond or communicate with you, you're free. They're not. But if you listen to the gossip, you either become a receiver of demonic messages or you become a fire extinguisher of demonic messages. And as sons of God, if we want to see a move of God, we have to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy, not only the ones that come to us, about us, but the ones that come to us about somebody else. So we need to understand, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm not the issue. Everybody repeat after me. Pastor Rob isn't the issue. The devil wants to make him the issue. But he's not the issue. Repeat after me. My brother in Christ that I'm angry at isn't the issue. But while I'm angry at him or her and refuse to talk to them about it, the issue has got me. Yeah, it is. We need to hear this stuff. We need to be honest and real in church. If we're going to have a revival, you know, un- Jesus said, since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. That's revival. God pinpointed revival to a person, to a time and a place. Do you want to be that person? Do you want to be that group of people? To whom in the future God could say, 
the kingdom of God forcefully advanced under their watch. We, the church, will never wear that recognition if we give in to gossip and criticism. We need to be the peacemakers who say, I don't want to hear it. Uh, you vomited it all up all over me? Okay, now you and I are going to such and such a person that you just spoke about. You have an obligation before God to be a peacemaker. And if you're not willing to be a peacemaker, then don't be a gossip taker. Who said that? If you're not willing to be a peacemaker, then don't be a gossip taker because by being a gossip taker and not a peacemaker, you become an advancer of the kingdom of darkness. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The Holy Spirit used to hover over the earth. Now the kingdom of darkness hovers over the earth. But the gates of hell will not prevail. God has wished on us, God has spoken over us that the gates of the enemy will be ours. He said the gates of the kingdom of darkness won't prevail against you. You'll bash against those gates and you might have to bash 10 times, but the gates of hell will not prevail. You see, we're meant to take the airways. We're meant to take that space. You say, well, how are we gonna get hold of the media? I'm not talking about the media. I'm talking about something more powerful than the airwaves of the internet, something more powerful than the airwaves of social media, something more powerful than the airwaves of the news. I'm talking about intercession. I'm talking about the sons of God coming into the holy of holies as priests and as kings, understanding that we're not just sinners saved by grace. We are part of God's destiny. We are part of God's great plan for the church on earth. And when we start to pray, we make the news. The word principalities comes from the Greek arche, which means those who rule. They are kingly or magisterial. They are like magistrates of a region. They are rulers, they are magistrates. There are demons that rule regions. They're territorial. And Paul says, I wrestle. Don't tell me we're not to come against the principalities of darkness. He said, I wrestle against principalities. I'm not gonna sit here and walk through life and okay, uh, my wrestles against principalities, they're going to keep oppressing me, but I'm going to stand somehow in Jesus. No, the gates of hell won't prevail. It's the church that picks up the fight. My mother taught me, don't you ever start a fight. I grew up in New York. I mean, we played tackle on the cobblestone streets of New York. Okay, grow up with two Italian New York brothers and you gotta be tough. 
My mother would say to me, kids would tease me at school all the time, and my mother would always say to me, don't you ever start a fight. But if they start one, make sure you finish it well. I say that only to say, we don't go looking for fights, but the enemy's forever picking a fight. Make sure you finish it well in Jesus' name. If I think about what's going on in America right now, if I think about what's happening in the media and the influence over our young people, if I think about the craziness that's going on, I'll lose heart. But if I remember who I am in Jesus Christ, and if I remember that I am seated in heavenly places with him. I'm in the third heaven. Demons are under my feet in the first heaven. Come on now. I could freak out about what the media is saying and all the garbage on TV and everything else, or I could recognize I have a trump card that is more powerful than the airways, and that is the spirit realm. Amen. See, natural men tap into natural phenomenons called the airways, but you and I can tap into the spirit realm, and that's where we gain the victory in Jesus' name. If you're not a praying Christian, you have uh, desecrated the sanctuary of being a priest. A priest who never prays is a puppet. A priest who never prays is a puppet. He has the office, he has the title, but he has no power. But a priest who prays will become a prophet and the words of God will come out of his mouth. Wow, that was good. A priest who prays will become a prophet because prayer is that thing that links the communication highway between God and the sons of God. And when we are praying, men and women, we will prophesy, thus said the Lord, amen. The words of God will flow through us as we become vehicles of intercession and prayer. Our wrestle's not against flesh and blood. I've hit this for a number of weeks and some of you might hate me for it and maybe some already left the church because of it. I don't care. I care that people don't like me. I care that people may get offended, but I don't care if it means I have to avoid the truth. I will not avoid the truth. So let me say what I was gonna say. And that is we sang this song where the 24 elders took the crowns off their head and they cast it at the feet of Jesus and said, you are worthy. Do you want me to tell you the truth? Okay, I won't. Do you want me to tell you the truth? Everything is spiritual. Get ready. You may not like what I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say it. 
In this world, we see the natural realm, but everything is spiritual. When you, what you see in the natural world, that's only one-third of reality. Two-thirds of reality is in the spirit world. Okay? So I'm going to say it. We read the 24 elders took their crowns and they cast it at his throne. We, the church, are meant to be priests and kings on earth, reigning on earth. That means taking control of the spirit realm for our Father. But you know what we do? We get so busy arguing amongst ourselves as to who should be the next president and what is the right political philosophy. And I've always said, I have strong opinions, but I am going to settle those opinions for the sake of unity in Christ because my greatest strength is not in casting a single vote. My greatest strength and power is in speaking the intercessions that are in God's heart and keeping an atmosphere of unity among the brethren. I'll have a political debate with you. I have political opinions. And I have very strong opinions. Did I say I'm Italian and I'm a New Yorker? I have strong opinions. But I am not going to sacrifice the unity of the church because in the unity of the church, I get the backup of heaven. He commands a blessing when I understand I'm not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities. And the principalities would like us to have in-house fighting and disagreement so that we cannot rise to a higher charge that we are called to in Jesus Christ. Can I say something? Thank you. It doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. I'm right. We don't wrestle flesh and blood. Why do we keep fighting the fight? We're not called. We're not called to fight. Cast your vote. And make sure you're voting according to biblical principles. But listen to me. You better become an intercessor. Or you've abdicated a higher calling. So just like the 24 elders take their crowns and they throw it at the feet of Jesus. You know what the church does? We take our crown. We're meant to rule in the heavens. We're meant to take authority. We're meant to influence the principalities behind President so-and-so or President so-and-so or the next one or the last one or whatever. We're meant to influence or bind principalities over nations. But we take our crown and we get involved in a debate and a fight that is beneath us and we throw our crowns at the feet of our earthly contender, and we hope that our party will win the race. I'm not saying you shouldn't have political opinion. Please, I keep stressing. I have very strong political opinion. But I'm going to pick my battle. And the battle that I could have most influence in is the battle of the Spirit. And if I get involved in worldly battles, in the carnal battle, 
we'll have disagreement. And now we're not unified. We need to be unified. Let me put it to you this way. If we allow God to be in his rightful place, he can use an elephant or a donkey. Principalities. The next word. Give me the next word. I got to speed this up. Give me the next word. After principalities. Powers. Of darkness. People who have. Delegated authority. Demons who have delegated authority. Give me the next word. Rulers. Look at this. Cosmoc Fator. Okay? Cosmoc Fator. Rulers of the world. Before they were in the heavens, the Holy Spirit was in the heavens. And the Holy Spirit was responding to the one who was created in the image and the likeness of God. He fell. He left his place. He didn't understand how much authority he had. And now the principalities of darkness rule over the heavens. They're rulers of the world. But in Christ Jesus, he didn't just save you. Church, listen to me. This might be a little bit deeper, but hear me because you need to understand it. He didn't just save us. We're not sitting in heavenly places like a Ferris wheel ride. He put us in the third heavens so that we would understand the lower heavens are under our feet when we sit in our position with Jesus Christ. And if we're seated in heavenly places and the principalities and the magistrates of earth, the spiritual ones, the rulers of earth, are under our feet, then we're meant to have influence over and above them. But most of the church mentality is, oh God, keep, please spare us from the powers of darkness. The powers of darkness should be praying, please spare us from the church. Revival happens when the church starts praying so much that the principalities, the magistrates over this region, the demonic magistrates, they start to become paralyzed. They start to become dumb. They no longer have the same influence over the people under their region. If you study true revivals that have taken place, instead of people running around in confusion wondering what sex they are, or who they should be attracted to, instead of people running around shooting each other, having road rage, uh, raping one another, and doing all kinds of abom abominable things, instead of them hearing the voice of demonic principalities who laugh with joy when they watch God's creation running amok, when we start to intercede, they get gagged. Yes. They become muted. 
their influence over common unsaved populations becomes stifled. And when the church rises up in its kingly and priestly position, the Holy Spirit will automatically start to hover over the face of the earth. The reason why the Holy Spirit isn't hovering over the face of the earth is because the church isn't standing in its priestly and kingly position. When we are filling the immediate atmosphere with the praises of God and intercession and the 24 elders have got their gold bowls and they're scooping up the cries of the saints, the Holy Ghost will hover over the temple. When the Holy Ghost starts to hover over a region because the church in that region has started to get into prayer and intercession, demons are muted. They have less influence over the general population. And what happens is the Holy Spirit suddenly starts to be heard by unsaved men and women. You... Saved or unsaved, you are always hearing from the realm of the Spirit. You grew up watching the same cartoons I grew up. And you'd have a demon on one shoulder and an angel on the other, and they're both talking to that person. And he's got to make a decision who he's going to listen to. Revival is that place when the church stands up and starts to be kings and priests rather than just the recipients of eternal salvation. When we understand our destiny and our purpose on earth and we start to be kings and priests, the Spirit of God will mute the voice of principalities because the voice of the praying church is shutting out the voice of the enemy. And so the people around us, whether you preach to them or not, all of a sudden they don't have the same influence or connection from demonic powers and they start to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost and people will get saved without even coming to church. There was a revival here 40 years ago. Pastor Jan did not grow up in a, in a Christian background. She didn't grow up as a born again person and here she is, a young woman, marriage, marriage in trouble, a couple of kids, and some lady used to walk the streets of Oldsmar praying. The church was having revival. The people stood up and became priests and kings. Someone was taking ownership of the streets in Oldsmar and praying over every house. She got saved in her house. No one preached to her. She went looking for a church. In fact, the power of God was so strong that she picked up a Bible and as she would talk, she'd turn a page in her Bible and the Bible would talk back to her. She thought she was going crazy. She called a helpline. Am I got the story right? And she said to the lady, the counselor on the helpline, she said, I'm going crazy. I got this book. It's talking to me. She said, well, what book? The Bible and everything I think or everything I say, I turn a page and this thing starts talking to me. And the woman was born again and she gently started to laugh and she said, honey, you're not going crazy. The Holy Spirit is talking to you. This is what we need. But the voice of the enemy in the heavens won't be silenced 
until the voice of the church of Jesus Christ is making more noise. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? You have more power and more potential to influence than you realize. Spiritual hosts of wickedness. Let's go to spiritual hosts of wickedness. I won't even try to say that Greek word. Spiritual hosts of wickedness. Uh, <clears throat> wickedness. Poneria. Poneria. Wickedness, iniquity, pain, laborious trouble. Pain-ridden evil derived from 4192, which refers to pain, pure and simple, resulting in toil and drudgery. There are spirits that come to make the lives of humanity miserable. We have authority over them. I hear more communication about political issues than I see Christians taking to their knees and praying. You have got the answer. We have got the answer. In fact, we are the answer. The gates. Represent the fortified place of a city. From the gates, it goes in and out, it operates, it functions. And when you own the gates of your enemy, it means they can no longer operate and they can no longer function. And Jesus said about his church, the gates of hell won't function or operate because you're going to possess them. How am I doing, Paul? I apologize. How am I doing, Donna? Now she doesn't answer. <laughs> Praise God. Now watch this. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 3, 8 and 11. Three chapters before what we just read. This is what Paul says. To me who am the least among the least of all the saints. A grace has been given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches, this phenomenal plan that God put together for us through Jesus Christ. And to make everyone see what the fellowship or the association or the dispensation of this mystery is. And this is what the mystery is, that from the beginning of the ages, from before the foundations of the world, God, uh, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, this mystery has been hidden in God's heart, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, his plan, 
The plan of God, the wisdom of God may be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. God designed that before he created this earth, he knew Adam would fall, so he sent the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who would redeem us from the kingdom of darkness. Salvation is not the escape plan. Salvation is the attack plan. We're saved to attack the kingdom of darkness and allow the Holy Spirit to hover over our cities once again. And until the church of Jesus Christ, thank you, until the church of Jesus Christ understands the purpose for which we have been saved, I read to you two Sundays ago from Revelation uh, chapter ten, uh, 5, verse 8 to 10, And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. That's how important our role is here on earth. Heaven is waiting for the sons of God to intercede so that then he can change the heavens. They sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain. With your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Do I have any Asian people here? Put your hand up if you're Asian. Come on. All right. Do I have any uh, European people here? Put your hand up if you're European. Do I have any... <laughs> Do I have any Americans here? <laughs> Do I have any Australians? Juliet's feeling lonely over there. Watch. You made them to be. You did all this for a purpose. Their purpose is you made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. God's waiting for the church to step into the understanding of who she is. He needs us to reign on the earth. I'm glad you came, Donna. Thank you so much. I would actually be slipping into depression right now if it wasn't for your amen. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I'm not slipping into depression. God created the church. This is the mystery that's been kept hidden before the ages. Do you know that Paul says, and I don't have the reference on the tip of my tongue, Paul says, if the rulers of this age understood what God had purposed, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. In nailing him to the cross, he didn't just purchase our salvation. He reinstated our destiny as if before the fall. And if the rulers of darkness had understood that now, through the death of Christ, everyone who's born again gets reinstated above the kingdom of darkness, and we rule over the kingdom of darkness, those principalities never would have put Jesus to death. They would have said, let's let him live his life out. He's a migraine to us while he's alive, but when he dies a natural death, at least nobody was born again into him. But by crucifying him, they unleash God's master plan. 
And the church is ignorant. These things aren't preached, they're not taught. And so we hobble along in life. No, I want to clobber along in life. I want to clobber the principalities of darkness and set the captives free. Can I get an amen? We have power, we have authority, we are sons of God. I am not just the recipient of salvation, I am the recipient of a destiny, and my destiny is now. Every destiny has a purpose. If it doesn't, it's just an empty life. Every destiny has a purpose. If it doesn't have a purpose, it's an empty life. Our destiny is to be kings and priests and to start being priestly, repent of our sins, and start to intercede. And every one of us needs to get our lives right. You say, well, pastor, now you're preaching condemnation. No, I'm just preaching facts. We need to guard our hearts. We need to take care. Does it... (laughs) Don't tell me there ain't no weeds in your garden. Don't tell me the bushes don't need trimming around your house. Don't tell me you never got to pull a lawnmower out and mow. If we let things, if we're not in control, then things will get out of control. If we're not in control, things will get out of control. And in our personal lives, we need to repent of attitudes. We need to repent of secret sins. Anything in our life that doesn't line up with what's written in the Word of God needs to change. You either change you or you change the Word of God. (laughs) Fat chance at changing the Word of God. Jesus said kingdoms will come and go, but not one jot or tittle, not one Hebrew alphabet of my Word will perish. Church, revival. If we push through, we get to push the enemy out and see the lost come under a whole new atmosphere. They will start getting saved by the thousands, not the hundreds, the thousands. Every great revival And the principalities are silenced. Thousands upon thousands get saved. Everything changes. People start getting healed quickly. Marriages get restored. People lost in the most deepest depravities come to their senses like the demoniac and suddenly they're in their right mind. All it needs is for the church to take on their priestly role and their kingly role and start doing what a priest does. But we're too happy holding on to our ticket to heaven and riding the train until our stop comes. And that is a misappropriation of the purpose for which Jesus died and purchased you for God. Paul, come here. I can't tell you everything that has happened in this last week. 
But I shared a few things Saturday morning with the prayer people. Come to prayer. I say early morning prayer at 9 o'clock. It's not early. We say early because we want to look more spiritual. Oh, they get up early. <laughs> 9 o'clock. You can come Monday to Friday. Uh, no, Tuesday to Friday. Come pray with us. I've known this man for two years. I've never seen him get weepy. He started prophesying in the prayer meeting. I, again, I can't share yet everything that happened. Tell the... I need a microphone. Yeah, I'll do this. <laughs> okay. Did you, did you all just see Pastor Carlos run? <laughs> he looked like a cartoon. Uh, I understand a little bit later today. I apologize, but I don't really apologize. I apologize so that you say it's okay, but in my heart, I'm not really sorry. Because the things of God have got to be a priority to us. I'm talking about rescuing our nation. I'm talking about rescuing the nations of the world. I really believe that every word that is written is the absolute truth. Every word of God is absolute truth, and anything else is a lie. I believe that with all my heart. That's why I've, I've been, personally, I've been healed of so many incurable things. Why? Because I don't, I don't even believe what my body's telling me. I don't believe the facts in front of me. I believe the facts that are written in the word of God. I change my reality for the reality of the word of God. That's how you get a miracle. How are we going to get a revival? By changing the reality. The one who's going to make a difference isn't the one who gets elected. The one who's going to make a difference are the ones who have been elected by God to be his church. Amen. Share with the church what God showed you. On, on Saturday when we were in the prayer meeting, I just felt the Lord say to me, and, and I wasn't going to share it, because I felt um, it wasn't my place, but unless I share what the Lord puts on my heart, I'm being disobedient and it gnaws at me, so I had to share this. And what the Lord said was, in this revival that's coming, there will be over a million souls saved just in the Tampa Bay area. It will change everything. It will change government, it will change business, it will change commerce. Uh, politicians in power at that time will call for days of prayer and fasting. Wow. It's going to change everything. So be ready for it. Yes. Amen. I don't want revival to be an abstract thing in your understanding. You hear me talk about revival, and if you don't understand that it is uh, what it is, my message could become irrelevant to you. But when you study revivals of the past, governments have changed. Economies have changed. Society, it's like God presses a reset button. And because there's mass repentance, society gets reset to an earlier time and place. And the gross sin and the abomination and the confusion... Everything gets altered under the blood of Jesus. This literally happens. History is filled with revivals that have taken place around the world. As society is on the edge of a collapse, 
God usually finds a group of people who will pray. And when he has praying priests and praying kings filling the atmosphere, the Holy Spirit starts to hover and suddenly we start to have a move of God. Would you stand please? I'll let you mute that handheld mic. But uh, Paul doesn't know. As I was finishing up year two of Bible college, one of the last subject courses that we did was the subject of the last 100 years of revival. There are many phenomenal revivals in this nation and around the world. And one involved a young man called Evan Roberts. And he had committed himself to prayer. And God said to him, can you believe for a hundred thousand souls? This was in around 1904. And he became gripped with this conviction for a hundred thousand souls. So I'm lecturing this stuff and going through the different revivals. And one morning in prayer here, I'm, I'm weeping before God. My heart becomes soft in his presence. Take me out of his presence and step on my toes and my heart's not that soft. You'll, you'll meet the Italian New Yorker. I keep putting him under the blood of Jesus. But I'm weeping. And I'm saying, God, if you could see fit to use me as an instrument, Somehow, despite all my irregularities and my faults, could you allow a hundred thousand to be swept into the kingdom because of what we've pushed forward in in prayer? And very clearly, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Would you believe for a million? And I said, God, I don't know how, but I know you can. I believe for a million. I've never said that to anyone because I was always, this only happened a few months ago, very self-conscious that it would sound arrogant. And being honest with you and sharing something that you could turn around and use against me and say, hey, he is arrogant. I don't, I, look around. You don't see 5,000 people, let alone a million. I don't know how to do that. But if we intercede, I know God can do that. And so with no one knowing it, Paul starts prophesying Saturday. You don't know what you miss on Saturday prayer meeting. You need to come. You know what? Even if you weren't missing anything, you need to come. Because until we take our position as priests and kings, principalities will have it all over us. We've allowed them to stay. We are not responding from the third heaven. If you're not praying, you're not responding from the third heaven. You might be seated in heavenly places, but the earth doesn't know it. But when we're seated in heavenly places and we start to intercede like men, and we start to fight for our women and our children, we start to fight 
for flesh and blood. And we're willing to go against principalities of darkness, not because of who we are, but because Jesus has already won the victory. When we're willing to get into the fight, the fight that's happening all around us anyway, when we get rid of our isolationist attitude in the church and we're willing to take up arms and be kings and be priests, we will shut out the voice of principalities and the voice of the Holy Spirit will be heard. I've never seen Paul cry. I know him over two years now. The intercession was on him so strong he started weeping. And when he said a million souls, I said, Jesus, I really did hear you. Does that mean this church will produce a million? No, it means this church will be a cog in the hands of God. And through our intercession, together with other churches around Tampa Bay, we'll see a million people come to Jesus. How many of you think that's a worthy goal? church let's clean up the things that need to be made right in our lives and let's take on our priestly garments and take on intercession man that's not for the wimpy <laughs> and let me tell you intercession is not for the wimpy let us take you into a fight you've never fought before and we will reap a harvest we have never seen America's greatest hope is the church of Jesus Christ. And if we stay dormant, you're going to lose your nation. You're going to lose your freedoms. You're going to lose your right. You won't have the freedom of worship. You won't have the right to believe what the Word of God says. They are going to come down and bash down your door. I'm telling you, you think there isn't a demon that wants that to happen? Of course, every demon wants that to happen. It will happen if the church doesn't rise up, suit up as a king, and suit up as a priest. Revival is our destiny. I, didn't, I, I don't remember that. But for them to pick a sleepy place like Oldsmar, I mean... Praise God. Is anybody here just a little bit excited? Yeah. You know, when I started this church, I argued with God. He said, I want you to start a church in Oldsmar. I said, get out of here. I started rebuking the devil. I'm called to a big city. There's nothing in Oldsmar. Back then, there was nothing here. And he kept saying, Oldsmar. I said, no, you're not a very good strategist. 
there's nothing in Oldsmar. He said, Oldsmar, I said, people are going to think I started a church in this sleepy town because I live here. He said, Oldsmar, we started the church because God's always right and I'm always wrong when it's a contest between me and him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'll agree with that. We started the church, 12 people in that, my living room, and we, we started by praying, having prayer meetings. A month or two after we, no, it was two or three months after we started, I get up and as I'm preaching, I start prophesying. They're going to build hotels in Oldsmar. Now, there wasn't even a Walmart in Oldsmar. Lowe's wasn't there. Everything was woods. I mean, nothing was here. And I start prophesying, they're going to build hotels in Oldsmar and the local paper will have headlines on the front page, why are they building hotels in Oldsmar? 18 months later, they started building hotels. The local paper of Oldsmar, front line, headlines, why are they building hotels in Oldsmar? When I prophesied this, the rest of the prophecy was, I, I said all of this in that moment. No pre-thought, it was the Spirit of God talking through my, my yappa. <laughs> and he said, and they will ask, why are they building hotels? But they are building hotels in preparation for the move of my Spirit that's going to come to this place. Amen. So, to be honest with you, I never came here to start a church. I came here to start a move of God. A move of God is bigger than just one church. Amen. How many priests and how many kings here this morning, whether you understand it all or not, are willing to stand up and become your destiny? Father, you hear us today. 20 minutes before church, I didn't even have a message. And you put this together. That God put us together. It's not my church. It's your church. I don't even have a right to stand in the pulpit if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. And I don't have a right to say one word unless it's your words. God, we, your church, submit ourselves to live the life of a priest and a king. Now do in us what needs to be done in us so that then we can do in the heavens what you've destined us to do. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I want you to be praying this week. I'm going to be reaching out to a couple of key people to address things from the past. I believe foundations need to be made right for revival to be restored. So be praying for me. I want to thank you that since we prayed Friday night for nations, God opened the door for this area. And supernaturally, we obeyed. We didn't pray for our church. We didn't pray for Oldsmar. We prayed for nations. And only a couple of days later, <laughs> Friday night, Sunday afternoon, two days later, God opened a very strategic door. 
which I'm sure I will share with you in the very near future. But God is moving. God is moving. Come on, let's give him the praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.